0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Udo Erasmus. He is, I mean, he's the author of a lot of books, but uh, most importantly, he's the author of the book Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. We start off by talking about uh, the oils and fats that are in our diet that need to be changed, and we end up talking about everything that we put in our body that needs to be changed from the uh, foods that we eat to the, the media that we consume, all of it. So, This is one of those interviews where we talk about so many different things. It's hard to just summarize it. But bottom line is we need an oil change. We need to change out part of our body. We need to rethink our approach to so many things in our lives. And uh, Udo has done the research. He's done the work that will help us understand uh, understand ourselves better and understand how we need to make changes in our lives. I, I do a lot of interviews, and every once in a while, I talk to somebody who profoundly changes the way that I see the world, and Udo is one of those people. So... Give this a listen, uh, coming up. But before we do that, uh, we're going to do quick two quick pieces of intelligence. Uh, and but before we even do that, we of course need to hear from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This portion of Intelligence for Life, the podcast, is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. All right. Thanks to all of our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. Here we go with two quick pieces of intelligence so you guys can you know, do what you want, Just put it in your pocket, take it with you, whatever you want to do, and then we'll get to Udo Erasmus. Here we go. First up, people at a healthy weight tend to have a certain personality trait in common. Are you ready for it? It's being mindful. A study in the International Journal of Behavioral Medicine found highly mindful people, those who are focused and live in the moment, have slightly less abdominal fat. And it makes sense because mindful eaters are more in tune with their body's hunger cues. So here's how to be a more mindful eater. First off, first off, <laughs> pay attention to what's going on with your body. Clinical psychologist Dr. Katie Rickel recommends trying to follow the sensation of the first bite of food as it goes down your esophagus and into your belly. In mindful eating workshops, people start practicing this with just three or four raisins. It draws attention to your sensory experience. It sounds It sounds weird, but this actually works. Also, you'll love this, uh, to eat more mindfully, pretend you're a food critic. Take note of the presentation and the nuances of flavor. Notice the texture and the smell of the food. It'll keep you in the moment, and the food you eat will be more satisfying. And when food is more satisfying, we eat less of it. So there you go, mindful eating. I don't know about you guys, I do not do a good job of this. I do a lot of eating in front of the television. I do a lot of eating while I'm doing other stuff, uh, and that is a recipe for more abdominal fat. So mindful eating, there you go. And here's one more, sprinting. For just 10 minutes, alters nearly 10,000 individual molecules in your body. What does that mean? Well, according to the journal Cell, those molecules regulate your metabolisms, metabolism, metabolism, stress, and appetite, and those changes leave you feeling happy and energized. And the minute you start exercising, you activate immune surveillance. Basically, your immune, cell, immune cells, easy for me to say, become mobilized and go on a search-and-destroy mission to hunt down pathogen invaders. The study author says exercise engages every aspect of your body, and all you need is 10 minutes to make all those positive changes. So just sprint for 10 minutes a day. It doesn't need to be 10 continuous minutes. You know, sprint, take a break, sprint, take a break. 10 minutes a day, and you're uh, off to the races. Speaking of off to the races, here we go with my interview interview with Udo Erasmus. Udo Erasmus, uh, author, health pioneer, but most importantly, author of the new book, Your Body Needs an Oil Change. Thank you so much for being with us
1: today. Yeah. Glad to be on. It's an honor. Uh,
0: Just love chatting with you before you even got started. But, uh, you know, let's start with the with the concept of your body needs oil change. You've you literally invented a way of extracting flaxseed oil. Uh, You have you you, you believe that we are we have the wrong oils in our body. Um, And we've done some stuff about that. But let's let's start with this idea that we need different oil in our body.
1: Yeah, the. It came out of getting poisoned by pesticides and mm-hmm. doctors couldn't help me. So I, I had the background in biochemistry and genetics and in science. And so I went into the journals, health and nutrition, disease and nutrition. And I ran into contradiction. <laughs> they said omega-6 is essential. Omega-6 is an oil. It's mm-hmm. a, it's called an essential fatty acid. And essential means you can't make it in your body. You've got to have it. And therefore, it has to come from outside. If you don't get enough, you go down, and if you don't get enough long enough, you die. So this is like really important stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you're going down because you're not getting enough, and then you bring, optimize your intake, then every, all the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed. That's, what, that's the definition of an essential nutrient. Got it. And that applies to 18 vitamins, 13, uh, uh, sorry, 13 vitamins, 18 minerals, two essential fatty acids that come from fats, and nine amino acids that come from protein. So they say, okay, omega-6 is essential. And they've known that since 1929. Mm-hmm. And at the same, same time, in another study, they say, if you take omega-6, you get cancer and it kills kill you. And I'm going, what? <laughs> you have to have it to be healthy and then it gives you cancer and kills right. you? Right. That is, it, I mean, it drove me crazy. And, and, and I get drive, driven crazy by contradictions like that. Sure. That forced me to look deeper, and what I realized is that the damage done by oils is not because of the oils, but because of the damage done by processing mm. when they're being made and when they're being thrown in the frying pan. Because oh, light, oxygen, and heat damage oils. They're our most sensitive nutrients. They need the most care. Every cell needs them, mm-hmm. so they have really, really important functions. We treat the the most sensitive nutrients that need the most care mm-hmm. with the least care. The industry treats them with harsh chemicals, sodium hydroxide, phosphoric acid, bleaches them, then they go rancid, then they smell bad, then they treat them, to, uh, then they heat them to higher temperature, uh, to frying temperature, mm-hmm. to get rid of the rancidity, and they sp- damage about 1% of the molecules. Doesn't sound like much unless you count them. You get a tablespoon of an oil norm the way it's normally made. Mm-hmm. 1% damage, you will have 60 quintillion damaged molecules, which Jeez. is more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. Wow. And now these, these are molecules that don't exist in nature, so life never made a breakdown program. So guess what? It's hard to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They, they get into the body, they interfere with what's being supposed to go on in the space they occupy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you do that long enough, five years, ten years, ten, 20 years, 30 years, and you get inflammation, and then increases your risk of cancer interesting so you get it, but but nobody knows that because the industry doesn't tell you that, and the researchers don't tell you that. And when I found that out, it just, like, blew my head off. (laughs) It's like, what? And then I said, and because I'd been poisoned, I said, well, I I can't get healthy in oils like that. We should make them with health in mind instead of shelf life in mind. So I developed a method where when the oils are made, they're protected from light, from oxygen, from heat. Very, very tight system. No chemicals, no harsh chemicals. And if you don't mess them up at the front end during the process, you don't have to clean up the mess at the back. Then right. we start with organically grown seeds because the, when you, oils are made the way they're usually made, ha, uh, they're, they have pesticides in them,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: nobody talks about that either. I got that from one of the researchers at the Oil Chemist Society and I said, what do you mean? He said, he said we heat this oil and damage at this 1% because we can get rid of half of the pesticides in the oil. And I'm thinking to myself, you mean the other 50% stay in the oil? Right. Why don't you start with organically grown seeds? And he got really mad. He said, I don't know what your problem is. The oil is only 1% damaged. Yeah, but it's 60 trillion. You know, it's a 60 quintillion damaged molecules, mm-hmm. a tablespoon. And I said, you know what? We should make oils with health in mind. And it was just like a little bit crazy and a little bit concerned mm-hmm. and and certainly not in favor of pesticides. Sure. I decided I'm going to develop a method for making oils with health in mind. And that's what we did. And so out of that came the most sensitive oil, omega-3, which is five times more sensitive than omega-6 to damage. Wow. It's a nightmare to work with. And if we could make that one with health in mind, then any oil we'd ever want to make would be a piece of cake. So that's an omega-3 was established as essential the year after I got poisoned. Oh, wow. In 1980. And the next year they they established that this one is also essential, not just omega-6. Got it. So, so, so we're, so we're, we're taking in these, I mean, I
0: just want to paraphrase cause that, there was a lot to unpack there. so We're taking in these, these oils that are damaged on the front end process. We yeah. overheat them. And basically we're, we're getting these molecules that our body really doesn't, isn't designed to deal with, uh, right. that sort of modern industrial processes have created in a way that, um, that our body is not prepared for.
1: Yeah. And, and the frying pan, right. You, that'll work, make it even worse. So we do it to ourselves as well. So what are we
0: supposed to do when we get the... So let's say so we, we're taking this stuff. We have all of these these extra molecules that our body, because they've never seen them before, doesn't really know how to handle. Um, mm-hmm. takes a very long time for it to get out of our system, just sort of leach out of our system. So yep. And we keep compounding it and compounding and compounding it, so you get chronic inflammation from that. I, I understand that part part yep. of it. Uh, is just frying in general wrong, or is there a way to do it with oil? Is this all over-the-counter oils that are not yours? Like, Is olive oil a problem? Extra...
1: Uh, Extra virgin oil is not, uh, but pretty much all the colorless, odorless, tasteless oils, they're also in plastic, and plastic leaches into oil when that gets into your system. Mm -hmm. You get more inflammation because it doesn't belong in there either. And yeah, and that's why the body needs an oil change from the oils that are damaged by processing and food preparation,
2: Mm.
1: oils that are made with health in mind. Now, is frying a bad idea? It's the worst thing we've ever invented to do to our food in 200,000 years. Wow. The worst thing, because they're they, they are required in every cell, so they have a lot of different functions, and you damage those, then everything that's made from them is damaged too, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I say to people is, you got a frying pan? Oh, sure you do. Yeah. Go get your frying pan, turn it upside down, hit yourself on the head with it really hard, so that it's associated with pain, and throw it out. Now, 120 years ago, where there, there was not this big oil industry, it's a mm-hmm. fairly new industry, 120 years old. Before that, people cooked in water. Cooking meant using water to, to cook your food. Mm. Now, cooking means using oil to cook your food, but actually, we call that frying or deep frying. Mm-hmm. I was a kid. So, you go back to, to cooking your foods in water, and then you add good oils made with health in mind to the food after it comes off the heat. Mm-hmm. And what the oils do, they, number one, they enhance flavors. That's why we like oils in foods. And number two, they improve the absorption of oil-soluble nutrients, and there are oil-soluble nutrients in every food you eat. So the good oil is a really good idea. And, you know, we, sometimes people think oils are bad. No, damaged oils are bad. Mm -hmm. And they blame the oil for what should be blamed on the processing. And that's what I... That's what I understood when I looked deeper when I had this conf- this this contradiction. Omega sixes are essential, but they give you cancer and kill you. Right. And so that was so that industry came out of that contradiction. It was like, oh my God. And so then I developed that and now it's now it's an industry, the industry of making oils with health in mind. So if we're meant
0: to have these oils in our diet with that in mind and you have a complex process is there a simpler way to get these oils is there like a better way to get it dietarily aside from just because what you're essentially talking about is a very complex supplemental process
1: not it's not that complex complex it just sounds complex (laughs) right well yeah Yeah. if you talk
0: about Uh, processing oils out of foods that with with, without any exposure to heat light or um
1: yeah, all you have to do is a really tight system, and then squeeze mm-hmm. it apart. Really That's basically is the the process, right? But here's the thing: you you when you ask that question, if you look at nature, or you look at how, what was life's mandate for creatures on how to eat, mm-hmm. well, everybody except us and the animals we feed is fresh, whole, raw, and organic. Right, fresh, whole, raw, and organic. Well, your bread is not organic. I mean, I mean, it's not fresh. Right, actually, not whole. And you look at what we've, how many steps we've taken away, right. in our, in our habits, from fresh, whole, raw, organic, unprocessed. Mm-hmm. We've gone a long ways away. Every step we've gone out of line with nature, mm. costs us something in health eventually, because the body was made to live on fresh, whole, raw, organic. Right. As long as it's uncontaminated. Right. Right. So, so you know, so you never see a squirrel with a frying pan. You might see one in a frying pan, but you won't see it with a frying pan. And so you have to look at how was it in nature before we started thinking we were smarter than nature and go back to living more in line with that. And every step you take back towards living in line with nature, then you get something back in improved health.
0: Uh, I mean, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I think that's something that we all need to keep in our pockets. And as a big yeah. reminder, right? Like the, just when you're looking at the food that you're eating, minimize the amount of process processing in whatever you eat. So, so again, like you said, fresh, fresh raw and whole, how fresh, much,
1: yeah, organic, yeah,
0: fresh, raw, whole, organic. And yeah. how much of the stuff that you're eating is, is that, um, do we need to start going to special grocery stores? Cause what this sounds like is I can't get half of what you're talking about at my, at my regular grocery store.
1: Uh, what, you might not get the organic, right? So, so you go to somebody, you know, you go to the farmer.
2: Yeah,
1: farmers grow in it, mm-hmm. you know, and then you want to go to an organic farmer because they they do the soil recycling and the and the, they use other ways other than pesticides, mm-hmm. which again don't. Why do they kill creatures? Because those pesticide molecules don't fit into the body's architecture, mm-hmm. so they interfere with. With processes, usually uh, nerve processes or or heart processes, and that's how they kill things. And obviously, if they kill one creature, they're probably not that good for any other creature either, because our our biochemistry is not that different from that of insects. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry to say. No, I
0: it, it's I, I've been astounded by the fact that about 50 percent of our DNA is the same as a banana. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a whole bunch of living elements that are universal to all living yeah. things that, that yeah. and yeah, so if it, if it can kill. one
1: percent different from a cow and 1% different from a gorilla.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if it can kill one of those animals, they, it would stand to reason it would, could seriously damage us, even if it doesn't kill yeah. us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then you, you can use the oils on hot food, but not for frying. Got it. And even extra virgin olive oil traditionally was not used for frying. What they did is they cooked their veggies in water, they poured off the water, and then they added oil for flavor enhancements, flavor enhancement and health health benefits. And then the other thing is, where else do you get it? Seeds and nuts.
2: Yeah. This
1: thing has oils in it, but greens and and fruit have 0.1 percent, so it is very very low. But seeds and nuts anywhere from 10 to 65 percent fat. So you get the, you get that so that's if you want it completely unprocessed, plant a walnut tree. Right. and, and don't
0: don't get the roasted salted ones, you got to get the raw the raw unprocessed yeah. ones.
1: Yeah, you want them fresh and, and the part of the reason they get ro- roasted and salted is if they break, then they become exposed to oxygen, then they go rancid so that mm-hmm. doesn't smell good. So you, you roast them to cover that and you salt them to cover the, the rancid taste. And then you don't know it might be seven years old <laughs> what you're eating might be seven years old you taste the salt and the smoke you don't you don't really know what you're eating
0: right right oh it's I mean, it, when you when you lay it out like this it just you know I kind of know that there's a lot of food that in our system that is that is poisonous you know we, we've talked about this all the time I know I know that certain things are bad for me and should be just left to be very very rare treats that we reach for all the time instead uh okay. but but it's you know it's it, the things that always send me over the edge, or the things that we think of as healthy that it turn out not to be.
1: You know, you, you think that's nobody told you, right? Hey, you <laughs> yeah. think
0: of you think of the you think of the pita bread as being fine for you. You think of the uh, roasted almonds as being the healthy choice, but you know you start to unpack some of this stuff, uh, and and you start to see that like, look, I'm 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 actually just part of a system that that is meant to hide how bad some of this stuff is for me and it's, yeah, it's terrifying and
1: it's not yeah and the goal isn't that they don't care about health but they care more about shelf life right. they care more about making it convenient for themselves or mm-hmm. convenient for us right and so they doctor it by taste or by by whatever they they have to do in mm-hmm. order to get a long shelf life then you have a bigger market then it becomes cheaper we like yeah. that part you know and yeah. that's why your body needs an oil change just like the car where you have to replace the dirty oil with clean oil.
0: Right. I mean you also get to a place where you can feed more people that way. I mean that's the other side of this, right? Is that you know as population grows, processed foods have a certain amount of appeal because you know you with a lot less core nutrients, you can get calories to a lot more
1: people. Well, I don't I'm not sure that it's really true that if you take the food that gets doctored to get a long shelf life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you're obviously starting with that same food, right. obviously if you can doctor it and feed everybody, then you could also feed it fresh to everybody. And there right. would be some changes maybe in the delivery systems right that you'd, that you'd have to look at, but it's not undoable. you know it's that 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 we tend to settle, you know you talk, we talked at the beginning you know about better quality of life, right, honestly. We could live like masters, and I'm talking about the masters, the great masters mm-hmm. of history. Mm-hmm. We could all live like that, but we settle for so little. Yeah, we do that in terms of quality, not just about how our heart feels, our spirit works, or in t- how in touch we are, but also in the foods we have and in the systems we put together, and and just like everywhere in the houses we build, you know, we cut corners. We tend to you know and and a lot of it is driven because we're not taking making quality of life the first priority right, right we're making we're making making money the first priority sure and in in shifting that priority from life to money, then we start cutting corners because now the goal is fastest way I can to make most money mm-hmm. and then the quality becomes one of the variables that gets that gets screwed up in the the process
0: right right yeah i i i absolutely see that i mean we are always looking for the quicker easier way um uh, now with that comes a lot of amazing things you know we get we're i i obviously the ability to have food very easily is is new for us as a species right this fact mm-hmm. that we can reach and within our arm's length is almost always enough calories to sustain us for the day, almost yeah. throughout the day, entire day within arm's reach of ourselves. Um, it's a, it's an insane concept historically, but it's something that we are very comfortable with at this point in our lives uh, as a species. Um, oh, yeah. And and that's that's bad because it has consequences, but it's also incredible and and kind yeah. of amazing that we that we've taken that out of our brains. We don't even have to think about acquiring food in the same way that we used to. And what you what, what you're talking about is is rethinking that. But I also want to talk about some of the ways that we can enjoy our food. Because what I'm here, if I'm boiling every bit of food, I'm losing a lot of the joy in the food. Is my point? You know. Uh, you mean when you process it? If I no, not if I process it. So like, uh, you know, if I if the only way that I'm eating and cooking is by just boiling it in water, the meat's not going to taste very good. The, well,
1: uh, the meat never tastes very good. If you eat raw, it doesn't taste much, very good either. Sure. In fact, you know, people say, oh, yeah, I love the taste of burnt meat. No, you don't. If you scratch that burnt stuff off and take a tablespoon put it in your mouth, it squeaks between your teeth, mm-hmm. acrid and bitter and tastes disgusting. And then they say, oh, yeah, but I love the taste of meat. No, you don't. Why Why do you have to put pepper on your steak if the steak's so great in taste, right? Why do you put rosemary on it? Why do you put... Onions on it. Why do you put all those plant things on it? Because when you look at the plant world, that's where all the tastes are. Hmm. Right? And mate, meat is kind of bland. It's honestly it's not it's not that I mean it's okay, but it doesn't taste that good. You don't get the taste of an apple out of a steak. You don't get the taste of a of a a, a, a peppery spice out of that. So you want to make things taste good. It's always plants to do that. And Interesting. I think the research now is pretty clear. That we, um, we if you want the longest life and the best health, head in the direction of more plants. Yeah. Less animal products, both from an environmental point of view, but also from a from a taste point of view and a and a health point of view.
0: Now there are essential nutrients that we get from, and I mean B twelve is something, and would you that we get from meat directly. no, it's not true. I've been, I've been misled. Explain explain yeah. how where the fallacy comes from.
1: Vitamin B12 is made by bacteria. And if the animals roam, were roaming around in nature, they have those bacteria in their gut. And they make the vitamin B12. And when we eat the, you know, then that's absorbed from the gut into the animal. When we eat the animal, we get some vitamin B12. <clears throat> but, that's not when the animals are grown on a feedlot, lot, a corn diet in a feedlot. Interesting. Right? And it turns out now that we everybody's told when you're vegan, if you go totally plant-based, you right. have to take a B12 supplement. Sure. It's true. But, but people who eat animal foods are also getting B12 deficiency much more regularly than thought. And right now, about 49% of the population is not getting enough vitamin B12, but there's only about 11% of the population is vegan. <laughs> so there are actually more meat eaters who are B12 deficient wow. than plant eaters, right? And so, that, that's a change. And and but but also it's a it's a really good marketing argument for for the animal industry. Sure. And they also say, well, you know, you well, where are you going to get your protein? Well, hello, a cow can make a steak out of grass. There's enough protein in grass to make that steak. Right. that they, they tell you you need to eat. The truth is, unless you're a bodybuilder on steroids, if you eat nothing but vegetables, whole food vegetables, mm-hmm. you will get enough protein for your requirement.
0: I heard I was talking to um, Dr. Gundry and uh, who wrote the uh, the Plant Paradox. And, yeah. And and his argument to me was I made the same argument to He was like, "Look, uh I like to exercise, my body needs protein." And yeah. he said, "Look at a gorilla. There's not a bodybuilder on earth who has the uh, lean mass of a gorilla. There's just no, no there's no bodybuilder has has the, the strength and muscle tone of a gorilla and they eat nothing but green leafy vegetables all day." So, uh
1: you know, or, f- figure or, that out. Yeah, or elephants or zebras or right. horses or 30 30- 300 million Brahmins in the Hindu caste that have been eating that, that have never been animal based ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they've been at it for 20,000 years. And yeah. they're just as, they're just as, just as healthy as the people who eat meat. In fact, you know, even with erectile dysfunction, you know, people say, Oh yeah, red blooded American, you know, I want to be a viral <laughs> guy. Oh yeah. yeah, I got to have my, got to have my meat, and my steak and yeah. right? eat my sausages and all mm-hmm. that. The truth is, in erectile dis- dysfunction, vegetarians have less of a problem with, with that than meat eaters. Crazy, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, when I read that, it's like, oh yeah, okay. So, so it's really hard in the marketplace to separate the truth, right, that you might find from research, to separate that from the marketing, sure, that that embellishes stories or just makes up stuff because they they want to push their market share.
0: So is your argument from your research and from your writing that the vegan lifestyle is supplemented with these oils that you're talking about, or making sure that you get enough of these oils, that's that's the key? That's the key to long-term health? Uh,
1: well, that's what the research says. That's not my argument. If you go from vegan to vegan plus uh, dairy product, mm-hmm. your health goes down, your longevity goes down, or eggs, just, just eggs, or fish, or steak or chicken, and and if you eat them all more, the more of it you eat, mm. the the shorter your life and the, the more health the health problems you, you're going to have.
3: That's wow. what
1: the research says. So it's not like I'm not pr- trying to promote it. Right. Uh, right. I'm trying to report. I'm just not trying to promote a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Fish is now the dirtiest meat on the planet because we've thrown so many pesticides into the environment, and they go downhill with mm-hmm. water. Yep. They all end up in the ocean. Right. And in the ocean, the higher you go on the food chain, the more toxic they become. Right. Because the toxins concentrate up the food chain. Sure. Most of the fish that we eat are fairly high on the food chain. Right. So they're gonna be more polluted than than the algae in the in the in the ocean.
0: Yeah, I mean I I I heard recently and I, I wasn't even aware of this, that the mercury problems that we have in tuna are because of I mean obviously they're a predatory fish but it's because of pollution that finds its way into our system. I did not know that the mercury in fish was because of human pollution until very recently.
1: There, well so, at least some of it is. You know they had the, there was Minamata Bay in in China they had a factory there and they they had all kinds of kids got mercury poisoning from mm-hmm. eating fish in the bay because they were dumping the effluent right into right into the by the shore mm. in the bay, Right. And, uh, of course, it, it, physical dysfunctions and mental dysfunctions, big deal, big mm. deal. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if all the mercury in the ocean is, is from, from industry, but certainly some of it is.
0: Yeah. But it, the kind of concentrations that it's making people sick is, is, is what I've, what I've heard recently, which is, which is insane. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, look, I, it's hard because I, what you're saying makes sense, and I understand that the re- the research is there, but I still enjoy I enjoy meat, I enjoy certain things about food that usually center on those things. Is there a way to enjoy this uh, in extreme moderation that does not have a long-term health consequence, or do we really need to be focused on cutting it out completely?
1: Well, this is like the Russian roulette question, right? So, <laughs> what, what can I get away with?
0: Yeah, but I mean, but look, like, so so one of the big things to make real lasting health change is sustainability, right? You, if you if you put somebody on a severe, if, if somebody's severely overweight and you put them on a severe calorie restrictive diet, uh, mm. they will lose weight for sure. So you will get healthier if you start cutting some of these things out of your out of your food system. Yeah. I get that but what ends up happening is you yo-yo because if you do extreme changes quickly it becomes hard to sustain. So is there something about yeah, but, eating a plant-based yeah. diet that becomes more sustainable over time for yourself, A or B ways to do it gradually that have the most impact on your long-term health so you can start to work towards this?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you always start where you're at and then you head in the direction of. And that's what I always recommend. It's like because I'm not here to pound people. Right. I I can give you the information. But the other thing, really, the question you ask, you're asking is a different question, because it isn't that it's, first of all, every flavor on the planet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: f- plants provide it. So in terms of variety and tasting good and and mouthfeel and all of those to make e- eating an experience, you get a lot more mileage out of plants than out of animal mm-hmm. foods. Okay. So that, so that shouldn't be hard. So why aren't people doing it? It's because... If you're not inspired, it's really hard to make changes. Mm -hmm. So my view is inspiration is nutrient. One, I can give you accurate information. I've given it to a lot of people. I see some people, they know more about health than I do because they listen to all the experts and take copious notes. Don't make any changes in their life. Why not? Because it's too hard to make changes. We're in habit ruts. Mm -hmm. They're like well-tracked mental pathways. Yes. And that that get triggered by all kinds of things. Mother love is one of the biggest triggers. Right. So if your mother gave you animal food to eat, mm-hmm. there's an association with mother love that needs to be severed. Keep the mother love, get rid of the bad habits, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But how do you, what does it take to I inspire? I mean, that's literally
0: people? the plot of the movie Rat Ratatouille. Right. He makes the rat ratatouille at the end of the movie, which I know is a vegetarian dish, but he makes the rat tattoo at the end of the movie and it sends the, the harshest food critic flashing back to his mother, making him the exact same dish when when oh. he was a child. And that is the core change that occurs in the villain is that is that moment in that movie. So, you know, I've seen that movie. Well, it's, it's it, the movie's all about food. The movie's I all mean, about a rat that cooks, which it, is weird so, in of itself. So when, but that's so, yeah.
1: so when you can inspire people. hmm. And what happens is you free energy, and when you know when you're inspired, you have energy. Right. You're excited. Wow. You're ready to go. You'll do whatever it takes because it feels so good to be inspired mm-hmm. that you're going to put off your demise as long as you can. Right. And make any changes between you and your demise that you need to make
2: mm-hmm.
1: to 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 live as long as possible, so you can enjoy this incredible gift of being alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you have to be inspired. So giving information is really important that, that the information is accurate. Right. But how do you inspire people? You gotta be inspired yourself. And how do you get inspired? You have to spend time to get completely still
2: mm-hmm. and
1: discover the enormous beauty of your own life. And when you're in touch with that beauty, it's built in. It's not, it's not because of them, it's unconditional. It's a state of being.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The deeper you go, the more of it you you get to, and the more you enjoy being alive, and the more you want to help, and the more you want to do what needs to be done, and the more you want to make the biggest splash for good you can make in one body in one lifetime. And then you infect people with that inspiration. Mm -hmm. When they get inspired, and they feel, oh my God, my life is so good, and they forget for a moment all the things they're depressed about, then they will make the change. And then if they notice a, cha- a change from making the change, mm-hmm. an improvement from making the change, then it becomes a new habit that then becomes well-trod. Only now it's a better habit.
0: Right, right, it's just that it's making that initial change and, and noting, making sure that you're connected with yourself enough to note how much better you feel when you didn't right. eat that heavy thing that is sitting in your stomach, when you didn't eat the cheeseburger, which tastes good going down, but like right. and i noticed that with age too like when i was when i was 16 and i was playing water polo every day uh i could eat three cheeseburgers and i'd feel fantastic and yeah. now i eat a cheeseburger or even a bite of my kid's cheeseburger and i yeah. go oof That's- i'm going to need to take a couple of days off yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no no it's it's true and the the older i've gotten i'm 79 now you know but
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh the older i get the more i notice subtler changes Right. And so the more, the more I'm, I, the more I want to be conscious about what I do and mm-hmm. what I say no to. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, but you know, if, you're, if so, if your life is amazing, then you'll make the changes. It's not that hard. Right. It, there's a little effort required. It's not that hard when you're juiced. Right. When you're depressed, everything is too much work. Sure. And sometimes when you're so get really depressed, then you'll actually destroy your body. Right. Because you, it doesn't feel like your life is worth living.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you want to feel that initial gratification of the food that you're eating, that initial feeling uh, yeah. in, in order to justify, in order to feel better in the moment. That's where like the concept of comfort, right. comfort food comes from and your argument about the connection to mother love and mother all of love. These, all of these subconscious yeah. psychological connections that we have to certain types of food that are not yeah. good for us long term, but feel yeah. good on the tongue, feel good in the initial bite. And then, and sort of replace that feeling of passion. Now, I, I do want to. So not right. actually
1: tasting the food; we're actually tasting the mother love. So some of the <laughs> right. things we say taste really good to us. Right. We're not tasting those foods; we're tasting the mother love. Interesting. I mean, crazy, but that's but because it's a trigger, right? And it's right. a trigger that's associated with well-being and care and mm-hmm. you know, warmth and comfort and connection. Sure. Right. And and that's a, those are important.
0: They are. They are. Yeah. I, so I, I, I see, I see what you're saying. Uh, I have, I have this and, and I know your time is valuable. We don't, we're not gonna keep talk, we don't have to talk about this all day, but this, <laughs> um, you know, I, I see this in the, the, the research points to this intrinsic benefit of eating, you know, cutting out these foods that are baked into our food system. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, am using the term baked, uh, pun is not intended, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but, but the, the, you know, these foods, these, these unhealthy oils, which is where we started, but also, you know, these processed foods that are meant to trigger different parts of our brain that are meant to trigger different parts of our, of our emotional experience in these ways. And, and then it becomes generational, right? There's a, there's a reason that the advertising for burger joints shows families sitting together, having the burger it's because it's meant to elicit the exact con the uh, the exact concept you're talking about before. Now you're saying passion will absolutely drive change. Enthusiasm will drive this change. But you, it's, it has to be a passion that is sustainable against this marketplace that is designed to keep us in the habits that we're already in. So the marketplace is going to say, you're hungry, the, on your way home, there is food available to you. Um, and that food is easily available to you. It's calories, and you will feel good as you're eating it. The yes. amount of enthusiasm required to maintain that for years is very high. To maintain uh, a, a, a defense against that kind of force is very high. Do you have suggestions for how we can maintain that enthusiasm over time?
1: Yeah, I will I, tell you a little little bit about my story. When I realized that, when I realized that omega threes were essential, mm-hmm. I, I not my research. I right, got that right, 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 right. Was research. Omega threes are essential. Ninety nine percent of the population doesn't get enough. Every cell requires them. They're they're the most sensitive. Highest energy molecules—they're a nightmare to work with—and when I and that I, and, and that notion came, oh, we, we should make oils with health in mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When, they, when I heard about omega threes, it's like, oh my God, we could help so many people if we could bring omega threes, not damaged, back into the diet of of. Ninety-nine percent of the population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, went off, I went off like a firecrack. I got so excited. Oh my God! I just found, I just found something worth doing with my life. Right. You know, and it's about helping. You know, it's about helping life be better, less pain, more joy. Mm-hmm. And I got lit up to it. And I, forty years later, I'm still lit up about it. Oh my God! There here is something I can do that I can put my little effort into
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the middle of an industry where everybody's doing it wrong. So to speak,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can create something cost it cost more than the, the bad oil. Mm-hmm. But we were so inspired and so enthusiastic about the possibility that existed to help so many people that mm-hmm. that has carried for me. It drew, mm-hmm. it took me through all my shynesses from my war that I was born in and mm-hmm. all my, you know, my, my, didn't trust, don't trust anybody and, you know, better, better to hide than, than right, to be, right, mean, right, you know, and, and that dragged me through all of my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it also lit up some other people that started doing it. And the thing that keeps me, first of all, so it's a purpose that is a purpose for life mm-hmm. that is, that becomes people's lifelong inspiration. The other thing is that part of it is I also do a practice, because that was important to me, to bring my awareness inside, because mm-hmm. our senses always take us away from ourselves. Sure, 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 the sure. World. Yeah. And that happens automatically. But to come back home to the magnificence of our being,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that has to be deliberate. And heartache is the starting point. When your heart aches, that's your heart calling your awareness to come back home inside to its source, mm. in it's the place where you spent the first nine months of your body. It's so like in deep meditation. I mm-hmm. call it the Buddha tank. <laughs> the womb is the Buddha tank, right?
0: Yeah, right. It's a sensory deprivation chamber like we've never experienced since. Yeah,
1: because nothing to do. Everything's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to go. Safe. Right. What are we doing? We're hanging around on this little cord. Everything's being done automatic, and we're just immersed in the light inside. Mm-hmm. The light that we are inside. Life, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then we come out and then everything changes and we go outside and we get disconnected from inside. When your heart aches, it re- that is life's reminder for you to bring your awareness back to your own source. Mm. That's the reason why meditation makes sense. That's why it makes sense to sit still, to sit with that ache. Instead of distracting or blaming or denying or ignoring or trying to explain heartache away. Right, Sit with it because it's the call home. And less than a hair's breadth behind that heartache is mm. your wholeness, is your wholeness. And when you have that wholeness and you get good at being able to go to that wholeness, you can do it in any situation, anytime you want, and you get as good going in as you've become going out, then you live a balanced life. And when you live there, it's not hard, then it's not hard anymore because you're no longer living from your habits in your head. You're right. now living. You're now living from the heart, from the love in your heart. Right. Now, this is not very different from the, the story that all the masters talked about.
3: Right. Right.
1: Because that's within us. What was in the masters is in every human being. Sure. It's called life. You can call it life or God or solar energy because it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you're in touch with that, you feel whole and you feel fulfilled. And you literally are now in charge of your thinking from that place yep, and the actions that come from your thinking, because that's how it goes. You feel something, then you think something, then you do something. Right. If you're discontent, you're going to think discontent thoughts, right. you're going to say nasty things, you're going to do uh, nasty things, and you're going to end up with destructive consequences. When you feel loved, it's like it's not about me anymore. I'm co- cared for. If I don't feel cared for, I just know that I need to go back here because the care is always there. Mm-hmm. Life loves you unconditionally. Life loves me unconditionally. And now it's like, okay, well, what's left to do? It's not about me anymore. Oh, where can I help? What, right. what needs to be done? What needs to be done on this planet?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can I make the biggest splash for good in a lifetime in one body? That becomes the that becomes story. And then you end up living an inspired life. And then there isn't anything that needs to be done that you that you need to shrink from, right? And 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 that's to me is the big transformation. I think eight billion people can live like that because it, it's built into us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We need to bring our awareness inside, and instead of going out, and literally eight billion people could live their lives lit up from within because it's already there. It's just right. A matter into it instead of away from it. When they do that, they will f- feel so cared for, they don't steal each other's stuff. When mm-hmm. we stop stealing each other's stuff, then we can live in harmony. Mm-hmm. When we live in harmony, it's really easy to make sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a long-term, sustainable basis. Mm-hmm. And then we'll clean up, and from that place we'll clean up the planet, and we'll clean up our politics, and we'll clean up our relationships, and we'll clean up our health habits. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Until we get to this place, we're not going to do it, right? Because what we've done—that is messy—came out of our state of being. Messy Mm -hmm. state of being gets you a messy world. Right. Peaceful state of being gives you gets you a peaceful world. And it's and it's built individually. The world is the collective. Of individuals' different states of being,
0: in the same way that you were discussing before, that the um, that the microscopic nutrients being damaged has a has a has a uh, a rippling effect into your health and your inflammation. So in does so does the the contentment of the individual have right. a rippling effect on the uh, discontent in the society in general?
1: Right. Yeah, right. yeah, it's because 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 see, if if I'm if I experience peace, and I'm talking about a, an experience, a deep experience, I realize, look out and say, "Oh my God, peace has always been everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's never not been everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know it, because only peace recognizes peace. So now I'm looking at the world. I'm sitting in my peace. I feel really good. And I look at the world and say, "Oh my God." This is such an incredible place. Everything, everything is peaceful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, the peace is everywhere. Not everything is peaceful, but the peace is everywhere. But if I'm if I'm angry, I look at that same world and I will find an enemy somewhere because I'm looking. Right perspective of this, there's got to be enemies out there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I'm gonna I'm going to perceive the the same place in a different way and i'm going to act into the world in a different way so i'm actually going to create an angry world right or a world full of enemies right. and if i if there is no enemy i'm so convinced by my state of being that i'll create enemies sure right sure
0: this is that thoughts become things thing uh, this is the uh, this is that same echo of what you're talking about where you're if you're not connected what? to your feelings if you're not connected to yourself the thoughts begin to reverberate and then the and then the actions begin to become yeah. these negative outward damaging actions
1: yeah, you're always connected to something. Right. So this is just a this is an, an automatic expansion of your state of being. You cannot but express your state of being. Mm-hmm. So if you're fearful, then you're going to see danger in right. that same world. Right. Now we got three guys: one in peace, one in anger, one in in fear. You're going to see danger right. where there's no danger.
0: And you will be paralyzed by that fear.
1: And then yeah, and then you're going to hide, and then you're going to do, you're going to live mm-hmm. into the world. As, if, as a word filled with danger, and then, and then, so, so the, so the the point I'm making is that your state of being defines your perception, sure. and defines the world that you built. Sure. And we built what we've got was built out of our to, our, our sum total of everybody's state of being, mm-hmm. and it changes as people's state of being changes. And we're in a time where I think we're under pressure to make changes. Mm-hmm. We can't we they can't start on the outside. They have to start on the inside.
0: Right. right. I think a lot of us. I mean, look, if it comes down to the food you eat, it comes down to what you consume uh, with the thoughts that you consume, the the television, the think? books. Uh, it comes down to how connected you are and how much like, I think we do a lot of things. In, and I think food is a part of this. We do a lot of yeah, things we- to, to cover up our feelings or to step away from our feelings or to yeah. or to dull our senses whether you know whatever that may be uh, in order to avoid the kind of connection that you're talking about so we will eat the processed sugary foods because it gives us a dopamine rush in the short term even though there's a crash that happens afterwards even though there's inflammation that yeah. comes from it we will I, have uh, yeah, we, we will we will buy into that concept more and more and more
1: yeah i think the mistake that we make is we use food not as fuel and structure and material for the body sure we use fuel for something that we need to fix in our thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. so, when you, you, so each, each one of like the, the awareness and the life energy and the inspiration and the body and, and the uh, survival thinking and the social group and the environment mm-hmm. and the big picture, each one of them has a different nature and a different function. Sure. needs a different kind of attention goes off in a different way in response to a different kind of intervention. So you have to give each one of those eight its due, Right. Instead of mixing them up. Sure. You know, you, 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 you if you need vitamin C, a prayer may not be the, the thing you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. So you get the vitamin C. Prayer has a different function. Mm-hmm. And, and thinking has a different function. So each, when you give every part of, every one of those eight parts its due, mm-hmm. you end living fully present in all of your being and your surroundings. And that's and that's what mastery is. How,
0: how do we find what are those eight parts? Break break that down and then we, and I know we have to go, but 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 what are those eight parts? If you want to talk about like you know I know food is probably one of them.
1: Yeah, awareness. That's the that's the core. That's mm-hmm. where the peace lives. Life energy, that's unconditional love for the body.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's
1: the energy, that's the power. Inspiration, that's the shine of the energy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's like purpose, right and, right? and then there's the body, food, fitness, rest, uh, digestion, uh, detox, mm-hmm. basically those, and then survival smarts, which is protective between you and the environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then there's social group, the people you hang out with. Then there is the natural environment you know, either you live in the woods or you live Mm -hmm. in the, you know, you know, there's big differences. Sometimes in Norway, they take kids when they're sick, when they like have mental problems, they take them for walks in the, in the woods and they get better because we belong in nature. Right. Right. Right? Concrete jungle is not
0: exactly. We we have outward bound in, in, in North America. And that's, that seems like a similar concept, right? You take these kids and you, you put them into nature and uh, yeah. Have a different kind of connection with the world. Although,
1: yeah. Although I think there, there you're talking about learning survival skills and learning to co- cooperate with other people.
0: Right. I think I think they bake all of it into that. But but yeah. at its core, is like like you said, is is yes, it's not just a walk in the in the park. It's not just a walk among the trees. But it is yeah. it is a walk among the trees. It also is all those other things.
1: Yeah. It, it may be a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then so that's um, natural environment. And then the last one is big picture. Here I am in a terminal condition called the human body mm-hmm. in an infinite universe and to be okay with that,
2: Yeah. you
1: yeah. know, to be okay with that and, and, and then live, and then live present to all of that. Right. That's the, that's the cherished state.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that is as good a place as any for us to begin to wrap this up. Udo Erasmus, we thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to ask you two last questions. Uh, yep. First, first thing, aside from uh, getting the book and going to your website, uh, how, where can people follow up with you?
1: Uh, th- I have a couple of websites. One is udoschoice.com. That's where I talk about the oils and the enzymes and the probiotics and mm-hmm. how we made them, why we made them, all that. Uh, the other website is UdoErasmus.com or the udo, T H E U D O.com. Mm-hmm. And we have some educational material and and, and some courses there. Um, the uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. I'm not hard to find. I've been I've been around for the last 40 years, although the internet has only been here for about 40 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a link so. to
0: those, a link to the website and uh, to the websites and, uh, and and your social accounts are, will be in the show notes. You guys can just click on those. Uh, yeah. One last question, and I ask it to everybody, Udo. What is one thing we can all start doing today? That will make our lives a whole lot better.
1: Take five minutes to sit as still as you can. Go as deep into the stillness as you can. See how long you can stay there. Breathe slowly, and feel what it feels like in the space that your body occupies.
0: It's you know, I've uh, as somebody that has has done this for a while. That is a lot more complicated and difficult than it sounds, and it is something you need to be practicing every day.
1: Actually, it's not complicated at all. It's really simple, but it's not easy. Right there it is. That's it. And yeah, it's yeah. Easy, and it's it's only not easy because of how little we've practiced it. Sure. So it gets sure. easier with practice. I can pretty right. much go there any time I want, but I've been doing it for almost fifty years.
0: So there you go, Udo Rasmus. We thank you so much for your time today.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: That's fun. <laughs> That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It makes a huge difference to us. You can also, of course, follow up with us at, uh, at facebook.com slash John Tesh. We're there all the time. John is also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every message about the show, every DM, every comment, because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening